In this episode, we will talk about transgender and intersex training and recruiting. We have Neelam Jain with us, who is the CEO and founder of Periferi, which is a social enterprise built to create equal opportunities for transgenders in India. Neelam founded this organization when she was just 22 years old, and today her organization has placed over 150 transgender individuals at varying positions across businesses and trained more than 330 transgenders. The organization also focuses on creating sensitization programs to ensure a safe working environment for the transgenders. Their client base includes many reputed organizations like Adobe, Accenture, Walmart Labs, Woodphone, Goldman Sachs, and so on. So let's go ahead and speak to this young, successful woman. Hi Neelam, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you here with me. And congratulations on completing three years of Perry Ferry. Uh, before we dive into the whole discussion of transgender and intersex inclusion, uh, would you please tell our listeners about your organization and what it does? Thank you so much, uh, Spiti. We just completed three years, so I think we're still, um, you know, can't believe it. It's it's completely something that we couldn't have imagined at all three years ago, starting up and thinking that we could even come so far. So my name is Neelam and um, I founded Periferi, um, a social enterprise about three years ago. And what we do is we create employment and business opportunities for the transgender community. And uh, while we do that, we also ensure that we're creating safe and inclusive work environments for our community. So we do a lot of sensitization, we we do stride carnivals and things like that in corporate workspaces. So, in a way, we're a bridge between the transgender community and the corporates and trying to create a better livelihood, um, a dignified way of living for the community. So, yeah, that's that's what we do. That sounds lovely. It must be really fulfilling to create something that contributes to the greater good and it's not just restricted to, I guess, giving employment to people. You were working as a financial analyst at Goldman Sachs and then you moved to starting your own social enterprise. How did that happen? They're just so falls apart. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, so I think it comes back to the point that you just mentioned here. That is, um, it, it comes down to really being fulfilled. And I think today's generation does not wait for themselves to turn 40, 50 or 60 and then say, okay, now is the time for philanthropy or doing things that I wanted to. Okay. Uh, we've also been a bit more privileged to think about, okay, let's, let's start pursuing our passion from day one. So the similar case, um, you know, I grew up in a Marwari family. So for us, always the focus was commerce and business, um, and which is why I ended up being a financial analyst as well. And as much as I loved my uh, my the company where I worked and the people and the entire experience that I got, I I just couldn't see myself uh, being happy or doing that in the long run. And somewhere I was moved by social causes and I, I did believe in entrepreneurship uh, being the way forward so I combined my interest of social plus entrepreneurship and uh, my previous company itself sort of gave me the the paths you know my path opened there because I happened to meet uh, uh, LGBT community people I happened to interact with them know their stories from my previous job and uh, because of that platform there I could take the plunge and over a point of time quit my job and start off very quickly. That was quite bold of you actually starting that at the age of 22, is that correct? I think that was quite quite young and that was quite bold of you. You must have faced a lot of challenges in terms of breaking myths per se. Like did you you ever encounter challenges that you, you thought really took a lot out of you while you were starting this? 
it did it did and but i think you know going back again on one of the things that i always have felt uh, resonated with was uh, i think the younger you are the more foolish you are so you don't really think about consequences before you jump into anything and similarly with me i think if i would have thought about doing that at 27 28 i would have calculated everything like whether will it work yeah. money etc but at 22 you just go into it um yeah and th- that's what happened but uh, we did face a lot of challenges and you know from both the sides i think from the sides of the corporates or the companies understanding what we're trying to do uh trusting that we can deliver i think that itself was a huge challenge because they just saw a bunch of kids uh with no prior experience in this space and with the community again it was in a in a way building that trust um you know there are so many people who reach out to transgenders and tell them that hey you can do this we'll come and we'll help you uh but those more often than not they just end up being words that are not fulfilled so there is a major lack of trust that the community has on people outside so building that trust was um very difficult and you know you do get a backlash uh, you do it takes a toll on you right right no i can imagine i think um, when i was researching i think if we really get down to it i think people there are a great deal of people who still don't know they're very confused and unaware of what LGBTIQA stands for what really is the difference between transgender and intersex right even within my samian community there's a lot of confusion so would you help us understand the difference between the different genders between transgender and intersex sure so let me just quickly uh, you know break those words down you know when we say LGBTIQ we're saying lesbian gay bisexual transgender intersex um so while lgb is about your sexual orientation which means who you're attracted to uh t is your gender identity uh which means let me just say that very simply it's your gender identity t is gender identity and i is nothing but your biology your biological sex which means the body that you're born with i'm going to repeat that one more time just so that everybody gets it LGB is about your sexual orientation which is who you're attracted to T is about your gender identity and I is about your biological sex so let me explain the I first very very quickly um so I is uh, the body type that you're born with while we know that people are born with either male genitals or female genitals what is lesser known is that there is a uh, there is intersex also which means that you could be born with uh, a combination of both male and female genitals male and female uh, chromosomes or you may have a condition where one um, you know where probably there's more emphasis on male and less on female but it's not clearly male or clearly female so which is why it's inter intersection and it's called intersex so intersex is just the body type that you're born with and transgender um, is a person who uh, does not identify with the gender that they've been assigned at birth right. i'm going to take myself as an example so i was born uh, you know my biology is born female however as i grew up and i realized that my sense of gender identity how i saw myself my individuality was of a man um and then i would be a trans man which is a gender identity again so i'm just giving a very high level idea of it but for the audience you should really try and google these terms um and that transgender people are not born a certain way 
uh, gender identity is again a social construct it's it's how a person sees themselves and not necessary that every person should um, you know should confirm to the gender and the, uh, should confirm their sex with the same gender just because i was born in a female body doesn't mean i identify as a woman and similarly a person born in a male body does not necessarily need to identify as a man uh, gender has nothing to do with your body and i think that is the biggest misconception that people have that is true that's quite true actually and thank you so much for uh, clarifying the confusion because i think that Uh, I still feel that these terms, in terms of awareness, are still relatively new. I think that they might have existed for a while, but uh, there's always some addition, and you know, people are trying to figure out their newer sexual orientation or gender identity. So people around us are not very aware of it. Yeah. Unintentionally, I'm sure it's not something that they do intentionally, but they're just they're not they don't they're not in those circles, you know, where they're made aware. uh one of the other things which i uh, think is confusing for people is the difference between literacy and education so in terms of transgender literacy and in terms of transgender education i'm sure there might be some difference in terms of the percentage would you agree with that honestly there potentially could be but um, unfortunately there are no statistics around it at all and uh, for me if i had to give my own you know literal example of it i think it doesn't matter how um, educated a person is and we've seen this with so many people that we've gotten jobs for a uh, lot of them are not even uh, they haven't even completed their 12th mm-hmm. but the willingness to adapt the attitude to learn all of that is what matters and that's what's uh, making the corporates also come forward and hire these people so uh yeah i think that's what literacy is all about it it really doesn't matter how educated you are well i'm not aware of the numbers though and uh i think there's a long way to go when we talk about understanding uh you know understanding what is the actual uh, uh numbers around these right right so uh, you know like i did some research and i got that the literacy rate is highest in mizoram for example like with some about 87% and kerala's like 84% and i was and it got me wondering if literacy is a true depiction of education per se right and because yeah. i would like to believe that you know when people are employing uh, other people they do look at like your educational qualifications so that's where i was wondering that um, uh, you know like how are they different and 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 in terms of education i i often wonder if early on transgenders face discrimination when they're trying to get educated in schools um i mean have you had those cases where in like you've interacted with people yeah, yeah. i think so many of them and it's not even like this was 20 30 years ago it's happening even now till date um i i, I don't think even you and i would have had uh, openly trans people with us in our school and college it, it doesn't mean they were not there absolutely uh yeah it just means that they had to constantly hide themselves they were either bullied and had to drop out uh, or something worse but it's never a good good scenario even till date so a lot of people that we come across have had to uh, leave their education or you know and do not have that sort of a nurturing environment to study uh, well there's already trouble at home with family understanding and accepting them you know a lot of us come to school with to look forward to have fun to have a great day but i think it's even worse because of the bullying and the harassment that uh, young young trans kids have to go through 
So yeah, that is I think that's that's and that ends up being a major block for the rest of their life as well. Yeah, that's true because every time I used to think about it, I used to wonder that if they don't get educated, right? Like that's the wise step to not giving them the space mm-hmm. to explore, uh, you know, the areas that they could uh, venture out into. And uh, uh, yeah, I was actually wondering right when you said that, uh, I was thinking of three. I've seen three schools, and I really thought hard when I was, uh, you know, preparing for this podcast. That do I remember interacting with anybody? And I, it baffled me that I don't know of anybody, right? Like for three schools, and I'm a millennial, yeah. so I'd like to believe that we're yeah. not that, uh, you know, like of that generation of that mentality. But yeah, I think what you said is very, very true. Um, in terms of your interaction, and after you start started this uh, venture, do you think that there are some government policies uh, or there are some measures that are being taken up? to ensure inclusion or safety of transgenders and intersex yeah um so i think it's very recent that uh, the bill has come into right. play uh, we did have a bill even before this but now there is a lot more focus that has come into areas like uh, providing providing a shelter for transgender people that will be run and managed by the government um training institutes educational support employment support so all of those things are what are, are actually just getting laid down now so i think we will see this coming into effect hopefully by the end of this year um i mean the plan was mid this year but um, i mean I, all of our plans are out of the door right. so yeah there is there is a lot that's happening uh, trans bill of rights is uh, something that people can look up to if they want more information around this um and there are also provisions being made for uh, Uh, young transgender people who are facing difficulties within their own homes uh face any sort of an abuse or intolerance by their family members uh, and this is for kids who are below 18 because most of the times they don't know what else they can do and then end up being a part of a jamaat system or so where they then have to do only begging or sex work for a living so there are some of these provisions being made but i think the biggest thing is how does this trickle down and how is this communicated uh because only when the the information reaches the people will they know that okay i can avail this right so yeah that's that's quite true this actually ties into my next question which is about the very occupation we find a lot of transgenders involved in uh, uh begging and sex work and i wanted to know if this is something which happens out of force uh i mean the pressure of earning money or sometimes is it that uh, it also becomes a choice later on because they're earning a certain amount of money honestly it's it's very tricky how it happens um and like i think it happens both ways to be honest uh there there are uh, so you know if again i take myself as an example if i were 12 13 years old and if i had come out to my family or if my family uh, saw me doing things that that didn't seem okay in the society okay. i would immediately run away and you know then if i if i were waiting at a signal or if i were in the railway station mm-hmm. i'd ideally walk to a transgender and tell hey this is how i feel and when that person adopts me uh in a way they also start having an autonomy on my life yeah. on the things that i can do and which eventually means that um, i will get involved in begging i will get involved in sex work um and um, i i do have a limited choice of okay maybe i will do it only until this age but then there is a sense of comfort you get over there um 
you know there's there's that protection and you can be yourself i can be the person i want to be with my community right so that's that's why you just choose to stay there even if there's violence a lot of them get uh, it's it's a kind of trafficking also that happens mm-hmm. and i won't say that all gurus do this there there is a guru and a chela system uh, that is in play uh, and there's a lot of money that people earn through begging and sex work so that most of the money that the chelas earn have to in return give it back to their guru so a lot of those things happen but the chelas still don't come out of it still stay there because of various reasons there's a fear there is a, there is a fear of the society as well that if i come out of this what do i have for me yeah. um there's a lot of myth even within the community that they don't have any support outside so why should i uh, leave even if it's not good for me yeah that actually sounds very difficult so like if you had to convince them to move to whatever they're doing and you know like if i look at it uh they feel close to their community they obviously have more trust uh in the community and then they're also let's say earning a decent amount of money and you know there's just the sense of belongingness i think that kind of supersedes everything else and when you have to probably convince them or move them to something which is more white collar right uh, how how difficult does that get for you, the whole convincing or maybe the whole uh, trust aspect like you mentioned how how difficult is that yeah i i think and honestly that's what we were trying to do when we started off we were really trying hard to convince each and every one saying that hey you're earning so much money via begging why don't you come there is a 25000 rupees job available like nothing less a 25000 you train for about 2 to 3 months and we will ensure you get it uh but there was you know if we reached out to 100 people hardly a five of them would even be interested or convinced with that so we realized that we really had to change our approach and uh, after 6 8 months 9 months of doing this we realized that we don't need to be knocking everyone's door uh, just because they're transgender we just need to identify or reach out to people who want to make a shift in their life who want to be uh, who want to be a part of a larger society and work and you know just have a normal life and so our message our communication the way we reached out to them everything changed and uh, then we started just working with those uh, who really wanted to bring a change about and eventually they became role models for the others so when the community started seeing one of my own is going out there and working in a corporate office and wearing this really these really good clothes and coming back so happy right why i also have that life so that change automatically started happening and till date we don't convince people and you know we still do believe that uh uh going for begging or sex work is still a choice and we don't see this as something bad or something beneath but yes there is another option to live and there is there are alternative ways that you can really be successful and we are just showing that through these role models absolutely i think it's not about really having a judgment around what occupation you eventually end up choosing like that's everybody's own prerogative uh but to be able to give them the freedom to know that there are other options like you said is i think is a very good place to be in because i think for a lot of transgenders they might yeah. just maybe idolize that life but they probably think it's not something they're ever going to touch it's something that's going to yeah. stay in their dream so um that's quite nice and i think uh I think your organization runs uh, sensitization and counseling programs as well right to benefit the psychological uh, well-being. Uh can, can you give us a brief of what these programs are like and what do they entail? 
Yeah, sure. So you mean with respect to the companies or uh, with respect to the community? Uh, I think uh, I I would want to know about both of them. Okay, okay, great. Uh, so with with the companies, like I said, uh, you know, we have to ensure that the workplace is quite sensitive. uh the workplace is understanding of the person uh joining so there are workshops that we conduct you know like that mini uh one two minutes uh, what is lgbt that i just explained right. uh similar workshops like that that go on for about uh, 90 minutes two hours three hours depending uh we try and make them understand through stories through um a uh, lot of peer learning um by bringing in you know case studies of what works what doesn't work and how lgbt is not just the right uh, being lgbt inclusive is not just uh, something that is good to do or right to do but it also has a strong business case behind it so try and make people understand these things in different ways because different people understand different things uh so you know just ensuring that uh, our candidate is obviously entering a workplace where they won't feel uh where they won't feel like they're not accepted and with the community also the sensitization is quite important uh because we have to ensure that they are as much prepared and this is going to be an absolutely new world for them um so just making sure that we prepare them even for the worst that not everyone may be accepting of you and that there will be challenges but you know this is how we're going to navigate it and this is how we're going to move past all of that and constantly ensuring that there's a lot of peer support which is there uh that's that's what really makes all the difference this actually reminds me of uh, a conversation i had with nishant who happens to head your hr if i'm not wrong and uh, he said something yeah. which uh, really made a lot of sense so i was very curious to know if you know they face challenges after the transgenders are employed and he said that it's only natural that if i enter a room there's a very good chance the 90% of the people like me the 10% of the people still dislike me not because of anything else but simply because they were yeah and that made a lot of sense right that sometimes we just we have a different lens to it we'd like to believe that it's because of the gender thing but sometimes it's just that right like it's very basic that sometimes people like you and sometimes people just don't exactly exactly and you you just ensure that you're keeping the people focused on what they're there for um and not letting other things sort of bring them down that's that's really important right so in terms of counseling uh, uh do you have like counseling for the transgenders who uh, uh like you employ recruit um, um so you know fortunately unfortunately uh we've never really had the bandwidth or never really had the scope to have constant counselors or uh, you know just manage that sort of a resource for ourselves so yeah we do have visiting counselors in place uh, but largely what we depend on is the community supporting the community um and you know it, that's that's what's really worked and it's not i would say a professional counseling means uh but we, you know with the limited resources that we have in hand that's that's what we've really been um, able to make changes to uh, but you know there are cases of people who are going through a lot more and that there is a professional uh intervention that's needed in which case we reach out to other organizations that are in this in this space and are doing some amazing work there's uh there's transgender india there's solidarity foundation so many of them and you know they have those resources so we try and ensure that our folks are able to uh tap into those things their resources and uh, get the help from our counselors 
Yeah, I think that sounds great. Like, I think if you can tie up with other counseling, um, not agencies particularly, but like established firms who are already doing this, then it becomes easier uh, instead of having your own in-house counseling. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, and there's only so much that you can do. I mean, yeah, I it's also yeah. good to realize. Uh, it's good, and we didn't realize this early on. Unfortunately, we realized it much later that we have we need to have strong partners. We need to have people who are good at doing things that. we don't want to do or we can't do or we don't know how to do so yeah that helps yeah i guess that's a learning you get after like you move to a more mature form because i think when you're young you know for a, you think that you can take up possibly everything that's out there everything yeah yeah uh so like True. speaking in terms of uh, your clients you have a wide range of clients right like and huge clients like adobe accenture uh vodafone goldman sachs like uh, your company that you were working yeah. with uh do you also happen to deal with small and medium enterprise yeah um we do in fact uh however actually not as much because uh the biggest challenge that we see is for them to have resources to really uh, uh sensitize the environment or even the bandwidth to focus on these things uh that's unfortunately not the case with uh medium size enterprises but we've seen good success with the really small organizations with like four or five people because then it's just about making those people understand and creating an enabling environment um but for companies that don't really have a dni agenda in place that don't have any lgbt focus uh, very difficult to work and and most corporates have that a lot of medium uh, small scale enterprises don't really have that so which is why our numbers are also very less with them um yeah but you know one of our first placements that happened was in a um, was in a food retail chain okay. and uh, that was just a delivery center so basically it was just the the transformation that we placed and there was another two people that were working with and that there was a success that worked really well for us um, and following that a few more placements of ours were in similar sort of organizations only um yeah so i think there is there's some sort of a combination right so this is something where i think that um, you know you could help us with like i am of the belief that maybe doing sensitization programs are not necessarily very cost heavy however it's like more of a mentality issue that you tend to face i'm not of the belief i think that's been my experience that with small scale firms it gets a bit uh difficult to break that kind of uh, stigma and stereotype right where you know uh, you can convince them that this is something that you want to do it's more of that issue but if we had to if we really wanted to try and do some sensitization programs or run some workshops for small to medium enterprises how how could we do it like how, what are the ways in which we can do it um so i think similar there there is no real change to that and i mean actually if you have examples of organizations that you're thinking about or um, you know if uh, you believe the particular audience may require a certain idea of it it's it's very similar to what you would do in a corporate itself it's about making people understand the terms it's about making people empathize it's bringing out real stories so you do it in very similar ways uh, however what we've seen is you know the difference between a person a same person that is working in say a indian small size company to a multinational corporation is that that person's mentality may be the same in both the companies but in an mnc they will try and be uh, as polished as possible right. because of the environment right. uh, they will 
they will know that they cannot make faces they will know that they cannot uh, you know say mark any sort of uh, homophobic or transphobic comments because their job might just be lost so because of those things it's much easier to control an environment whether the people like it or not is secondary but people at least end up being uh, respectful and uh, know how to behave but maybe the you know in a small scale enterprise or especially companies that don't ha- that are not governed by these things um, it's easier for people to just discriminate and be really rude on the face so i think that's where the difference is and uh, at the at the core of it if you can make people feel it uh, then it makes all the difference i think even if they don't understand the terms but if they understand why this person's job is so important and why you as an ally need to really not make this place or this workplace difficult for them if they understand that i think nothing will stop them from uh, just being decent coworkers so that's actually quite true i think i was just basing it on my experience like you said that people around the world are the same it just really comes down to uh, and across companies it's the same it just comes down to the kind of environment that's there but uh, i think yeah. uh, i have worked with at least two companies which happen to be one of those companies like large companies wherein you know uh, these things are in place right so you have policies in place but it's about day to day communication right so like it really gets down to uh, your water cooler chats you know what i mean like it gets down to what are the things that you're speaking about uh, when you go out for a smoke or you're having good you know having your coffee and at that point of time sometimes certain sentences are changed which kind of end up uh, i think creating that environment again not necessarily to a level where it reaches yeah. to the human resource but you know within the team that happens yeah yeah no that's very true and we've seen that with our uh, candidates as well i know there was this one time one of our um, one of our uh, candidate uh, she was going on a team trip and one of the co-workers said that i cannot share the room with a transgender and uh, i mean and this this person identified as a trans woman and she's also post transitioned so her identity is of a woman right. however the women made a fuss about no we cannot share and uh and she was decent enough to say you know it's it's fine i completely understand i'll move to another room but it really hurt like i think it really really hurts and you know you you hear similar comments in in companies where at the pantry someone just says chakka sala or right. or you're wearing pink shirt and someone says ki tu gay hai kya ye sab kyun pehen raha hai so the very loose comments people don't really understand uh, that it may hurt someone who's listening to this people don't really think from the shoes of another person they just think it's it's okay let's just say whatever we feel like um so yeah and there's it's only awareness it's only talking about it it's only leaders who constantly show up and show that this is important that's where this will change right. yeah and i think that requires for us to train the leaders just to start with right like yeah. that shouldn't occur at a leadership level because if it does then everything yeah. just kind of follows the same trend um yeah. so i yeah, i was wondering that if we wanted to make some changes during the recruitment and interview process which could minimize the chances of discrimination uh what could we do uh, so from the time that somebody's sourced to throughout the interview process uh, what are the things that people can keep in mind to make it a more inclusive environment for the transgender and intersex people yeah i think firstly the most important thing is uh, people just 
sort of uh, you know they uh, just seeing them from the lens of an employee who can uh, who is just here to add value to the organization so leaving all of these filters like the gender the color of the person the dress of the right. person the walk of the person all of those things don't matter in the job so just preparing your mind in a way that okay i'm not going to focus on things that don't matter because i still have unconscious biases i am a human being so i may judge if this person is walking into the interview and is you know is swaying their hands and walking i'm just going to reject them outright that's just going to be crazy uh, but yes that happens and people reject on the basis of the dress and various other things uh, so i think it's very important for people to prepare themselves especially recruiters saying that anything that does not matter to the job uh, it is not going to be something that's going to decide whether this person gets a job or not yes obviously i'm going to help them polish a bit later but that's not necessary for the job and secondly i think it's also understanding that uh, you know a lot of transgender intersex people may come from the background of not having that sort of an exposure privilege things like that so as long as they're showing that attitude and that willingness to learn and it may require an internship for you to check or it may require some test or whatever your mechanisms are if you see that attitude don't let it go uh, because these are the people who will actually deliver and uh, you know show results much better than most other people would and i mean give an opportunity to someone who does not uh, who who really wants it and you will see the difference that they make most right. important uh, for people you know who have the right intention and who want to do good and serve and ensure that they're bringing out are bringing in trans employees they should not forget that it shouldn't become an act of sympathy while you have to be sensitive uh, you know you should still treat them on an equal level playing field uh, create that environment for them but obviously ensure that they're still growing and that the job is not the end having a great career is what we're aiming for i remember the first time i was employed and since then i've been so passionate about it that uh, i was filling out my form the form that you fill before you get employed and putting all your details in it and yeah. i said there isn't a box for the third gender and uh, and you know they, it, it took them 10 seconds to kind of process that right because it was so peculiar for them but i was like it's a legit thing to ask for right like maybe i yes. don't relate to either so i don't have it it literally starts from such small things right to just first acknowledge the very existence and then probably we can move about discussing uh, the sensitivity and everything else right so just acknowledge that they exist and, you know they're just yeah. part of the uh, society as well um well, and i think acknowledging that even in their communications even when they are putting out their job descriptions it's sad sometimes it still says um men for this role i mean it, it depends but again for a generic role if you still categorize it thing only a particular gender is accepted uh, if you really want to show that you're inclusive and that you're hiring you really need to put it out there saying that all welcome this is a job opportunity that is not limited by gender sexual orientation and things like that i have another thing which i think i personally face and this is something that you know you can help me with sometimes i feel like the very idea of us highlighting a community tends to create discrimination even though it's positive discrimination but i feel like uh it still creates discrimination would, would i be wrong in assuming that or do you think that's that's a legit confusion yeah no it's a fair thing to ask and it's a good thing that you're bringing it up because i'm sure a lot of people do think that why are we highlighting this so much i mean let's just 
let's just make this normal right so right. you know just going back to what happened about uh, i think 60 70 years ago when women were just entering the workforce it was extremely difficult like 70 80 years ago yeah uh, extremely difficult unheard of it was uh, it was still a big taboo to see women in leadership in other places or even in managerial positions and the only way that started becoming normal like the normal that it is right now by the amount of noise that they made by the amount of uh, marches and so many people really being out there and fighting it every single day and i think it's the same thing with anything that we want um, you know anything that we wanted to become normal it will go through that peak you know it has its right. own curve and it has to go through that peak of people just making a lot of noise so that there's awareness people understand it and then we then it actually starts normalizing but right now with the trans community we're in a space that i don't think there is uh, you know every company in the country that has even hired them so which means we're still far away from the very reality of uh, transgender people being accepted so when a community is definitely not accepted is looked with so much disgust is uh treated so unfairly and has that that stereotype and the taboo attached to them right we still need to unfortunately make a lot of noise um and even do some bit of positive discrimination because it's fine it's fine you you you're still doing it for the larger good is what i think yeah that's that's quite my nice perspective to have and i think i completely get that i think uh, i am of that philosophy that if something's suppressed for too long then it is going to burst and when it bursts there's going to be a lot of human crime shouting and it needs to be there to reach back to that normal level yeah correct so, yes yeah. uh i think that's pretty much all that i wanted to ask you and it's been lovely chatting with you i'm so glad i could do this uh, but before we sign off i is there a message that you want to give to our listeners um nothing specific i just i just feel like uh, a lot of a lot of us really think how can i start making an impact in my organization or what should i do should i reach out uh, you know there's so many thoughts when we're thinking about inclusion especially inclusion of transgender people uh, i think the best thing you can do is just take a small step and start off as soon as you can uh because the journey is really really long and by really long i mean a couple of years long before you can uh create that great environment so you have that thought uh, put it into action today uh, put it into action with the the people that you trust in your organization and just get the ball rolling create that awareness just write an email uh, do something but just start off is all that i want to say yep that's that's all from me as well That was lovely. Thank you so much once again for joining me for this wonderful and enlightening conversation. And I really hope we can do more podcasts again. Sure. Thank you so much to Deep. Absolutely my pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. We hope you found the episode useful. If you did, please share the episode with your contacts or on social media. And if you'd like, please follow us on All Things Occupation on Instagram. We would like to hear from you. And if not done already, please subscribe to the podcast to not miss out on any future episodes. Till then, stay awesome. Bye.